Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. Hi, this is Linda Thompson, your host for The Author's Show. If you are of a certain age, you know that Joe Walsh is a member of the rock group The Eagles, but that's only the tip of this story. Kristen Casey is the author of Rock Monster, My Life with Eagles guitarist Joe Walsh. Kristen joins us today to tell us about her book and why it's her own story of survival and recovery. Kristen, welcome to The Author's Show. Hi, Linda. How are you? I'm doing great, Kristen, and I'm very eager to learn more. So will you give us a quick overview of Rock Monster, my life with the Eagles guitarist, Joe Walsh? Well, yes. Uh, First and foremost, to me, the book is an addiction memoir. That was my main goal in writing it. But it's also a love story, if a cautionary relationship tale. And they peek behind the curtain into the, you know, wild and crazy rock and roll world that I was in living with Joe. The story takes place in my 20s. It's the 10-year period in my 20s during the worst of my addictions and also my relationship with Joe. So it details the fun and glamour as well as our spiraling addictions and then our sort of traumatic breakup and the two-year suicidal spiral that I was in afterward before I got sober. Kristen, what served as the catalyst for you to want to share your story with the world in a book? Well, I think that my 21 years of recovery are... Well, it's the most important part of my life. It's what's enabled me to have a fulfilling life to begin with. And so I truly believe that I wanted to contribute to the field of knowledge because I don't feel as if we're making as much progress in that area as we should. I feel that addiction is one of the biggest issues and the childhood adverse experiences that causes addiction or that leads to addiction. I feel like this is some of the biggest problems we have in this country and we're not addressing the causes. We're not advancing with the treatments or learning enough about ways of preventing it that we could be. So I wanted to add to the collective body of information by telling my story because I remember very well what was going on in my head. And the more I see what's going on in society, the more I thought I really needed to write this book and and just add to the the body of knowledge. How and when did you meet Joe? Joe and I met in 1988. I was 20 years old and he was 40 and he was in Austin to play a festival, a music festival. And a friend of mine who'd been dating his bass player, sort of long distance, casually, introduced us. It was sort of a a sly little fix-up, and I didn't know who he was. I didn't recognize the name that she had told me. Um, Being only 20, I knew who the Eagles were, but I didn't know Joe Walsh, and so I just thought, you know, I'll be polite. I'll meet the guy, and I'm sure 15 minutes later, go home. It was late, and uh, 15 minutes later, I was actually pretty much in love with the guy. So stayed all night and um, we he started calling shortly after that. And within a few months, we were dating long distance. And then a few years later, I moved in with him. How long were you and Joe together? And do you still keep in touch? We were together over a seven-year period for about six years. We did break up um, at one point five years in for um, less than a year. And then we got back together around the time that the Eagles got back together. And then... Um, We broke up in 95, I believe, for good. 
We stayed in touch sporadically, especially after I got sober. You know, I called him and he was so happy for me. We were both getting on with our lives, but we have a lot of love for each other. So every couple of years, we'd either talk or see each other. He would come through Texas where I live. Uh, so whenever he was playing a gig in Dallas or Houston or Austin, I would go see him. We did lose touch around the time that he got married recently, which I think was like 2011 or so. While writing your book, were you thinking about who might be most interested in reading it? Well, yes. In fact, um, I sort of assumed that anyone who's dealing with addiction, personally, alcoholism or any kind of addiction, might be interested in it. Um, also, their loved ones, anyone who wants to sort of understand addiction a little bit better. Also, rock music fans, um, anyone who's interested in uh, or a fan of Joe's music or even the Beatles because Ringo Starr features heavily in there. And in fact, there's a number of celebrities in there and musicians and actors both. So I thought those two pools were, would probably be the biggest readership base. I read somewhere that you discovered alcohol long before you met Joe. Did drugs enter the picture at some point? Yes, I started drinking actually as a teen when I was 15. And by the time I was 16, I was binge drinking on the weekends. I didn't drink during the week because I loved school and I was, you know, I did very well in high school. But as soon as I graduated, I started drinking almost daily and I started working in clubs. So I had a drinking problem from the age of 16 on. And it was pretty bad off and on in my late teens. I also had a very brief meth addiction at 17, 18, which happened very quickly. I spiraled very quickly and got myself out of that. So by the time I met Joe at 20, I was still drinking too much. I worked in a club, so I drank five nights a week. But I was not using any hard drugs. I had managed to stay away from those. And then in the course of our relationship, within the first few months, because we kept such different timetables, I started using Coke thinking, well, you know, I can stay up all night with him because he sleeps all day when I'm awake. And that was sort of my rationalization. But almost from the beginning, the cravings got away from me. Like I was someone who just had a very addictive personality and I didn't have a lot of control over my Coke use really from the very beginning. I read in your synopsis that you say your book is the account of your life-changing relationship with Joe. Is there any one single most life-changing event that stands out from the rest? Well, I think that there are two things about that relationship that were incredibly impactful for me. And the first I would say would be just the fact of falling in love with him. Up until that point, I had never experienced true love at that level. And it was life-changing. It was very healing for me. I was a person who was given to depression. I had a challenging relationship with my mother, so I had a difficult home life. I was an introverted person who was struggling with addictions, you know, in her teens. And so while there was a certain amount of love between myself and my parents and, and my siblings even, I, I, and I had been in love in high school briefly, Joe and I had just really a remarkable, almost instant, deep and beautiful love for each other. We were terrible at relationships. We were terrible communicators. You know, we were both immature, but we did have true love. And so that's, that was a very healing experience for me. And I don't know who I would be right now without having had that. I would also say that the breakup was very impactful because I was so delicate by then Thanks to the drugs and alcohol, I was really not a, uh, I had no inner strength whatsoever. I had no sense of self or 
identity to sort of fall back on that when we broke up, I was really, truly shattered. And because I was mentally ill, I was severely depressed and I was severely addicted. It led me to believe suicide was just the best answer for me. And so I spent two years actively trying to kill myself. And I did some damage physically, although I'm in great health now. Those two years were rather traumatic. And so it took quite a long time for me to recover from that emotionally and mentally later on. So that's one of the reasons that relationship was so impactful and the addictions were so impactful because it started out as the best thing that ever happened to me. And then it, it, not through Joe's fault, it just so happened that it ended up being one of the worst things that could have happened. And yet here I am. So I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm really glad to hear that. So uh, to follow on with your last response, how, what gave you the idea or what made you have the desire to finally escape that rocker chick life? Well, I'll be honest, at the time, it wasn't really my choice. (laughs) I was sort of pushed out because Joe had moved on, and rightly so. He had to get on with his life, and he was in a healthier place, having gotten sober before I did. And so, you know, he went on with his life, and I was, we broke up, and I had to get on with mine. I didn't do it very well for a couple of years, as I mentioned. But once I did get sober, what I realized was that What's important to me was not being the girlfriend of someone famous or following that wild and crazy glamorous lifestyle. As wonderful as it was, I had always wanted to be a writer and that was the path that I wanted to follow. I wanted to follow my heart and my original goals that I'd had as a young child before the addictions. So that's the path I pursued. I moved back to Austin, which is a very creative community. And I slowly but surely started writing small pieces. And I have a lot of friends who are musicians and I still love that creative community. But for me, that's not where I belong necessarily. I feel like you have to follow your heart. And my heart has always been as a writer to follow the path of a writer. And so that's where I ended up. And I'm I'm much more content than I ever was really as a rocker chick, to be honest. Well, during that period of your life, if you could do one thing over again, what would that be? Oh, gosh, that's a loaded question. You know, all of those experiences, as traumatic as some of them were, they did make me the person I am today. There are people that inadvertently got hurt in the process. And I would say that if I have any regrets, that would top the list. I wish more than anything, that I had tried harder to learn to communicate better. I wish I could have communicated my love for my parents with them, that I could have communicated my needs with Joe and listened to what he needed better. So communication, I would say, was probably my greatest failing back then. I wish I could have been a better communicator because then probably a lot of the trauma that happened could have been avoided. I also would have kept my uh, 82 Cutlass Supreme. I wouldn't have sold that car. That's been a big regret. (laughs) 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 On a very superficial level, I loved that car. (laughs) Is, Is there a message in Rock Monster that you would like your readers to remember? Yes. Actually, I would say that the most important message to me is about personal empowerment. Ultimately, my story is one of dependency, not just on substances, but also on the relationship I was in, on outward sources for my inward serenity. And in truth, I felt helpless. I felt victimized. But I was not someone, until 
the end of my book, do I ever quite realize that I had the power to change. I was the only one who had the power to change. And it wasn't easy, but it started with a willingness and a little courage and putting one foot in front of the other. So I would say my overriding message is that I'm not a victim, that I had the power to change or to at least start that process. And then I reached out for help because I had a lot of help when I got sober. But it's more of a self-determination versus victimhood, if I can sum it up that way. Will you be writing another book? I do plan to write another book, yes. I plan to write one that's more about relationship dynamics, the transformative power of addiction and chemistry. And I would say as opposed to this one, which details all the pitfalls of a spiraling, unhealthy, toxic relationship, the next book is going to be about relationships at their best, how they can make us better versions of ourselves, what relationships can do to us individually and as a couple that is empowering and motivating and healing versus toxic and detrimental and wounding. Will you read for our listeners an excerpt from Rock Monster? I'd love to. I'll read the part where Joe and I first meet in a hotel room back in 1988. It was a slightly off-kilter sensation, like going to the animal shelter for a fully grown dog and being given an overgrown puppy instead. He was definitely cute, nice looking in an offbeat way, with a bouncy kind of energy not entirely contained. He had a way of speaking that was both boozy and hyper, like Jerry Lewis meets Dean Martin, channeled by Jeff Spicoli. After we'd exchanged hellos, Joe cocked his head to the side and smiled at me for no apparent reason, swaying gently side to side like a boat on the ocean. He wasn't doing anything out of the ordinary, and yet he was. He totally was. Despite all my experience sizing up customers at the club, I was at a loss. Vicky and Rick took the couch. I sat on an armchair near the door and hung my purse off the back. Joe moved to the center of the room and proceeded to entertain us with a string of jokes, funnier for his exaggerated delivery than hit or miss punchlines. Meanwhile, I was transfixed by a mass of man-boy contradictions. Sinewy biceps, boyish mop, and tender green eyes that were simultaneously curious and world-weary. He had large, strong hands with smooth, nimble fingers and a big nose nicely offset by a wide grin and animated lips. But that shirt, salmon-colored jeans were weird enough, but the cartoonish bicycle design was just plain dorky. Congress high tops redeemed him, though, and I decided to withhold further judgment until he finished drawing on the TV. The work in progress turned out to be devil horns, eyeglasses, and a pointy beard arranged around the CNN anchor's face. As the camera cut away and back again, the mask and newscaster realigned, eliciting cheers from Vicky and the men every single time. It was a thing they did, I realized, an inner circle private joke. So far removed from typical bad boy behavior, I couldn't help laughing. When Joe stole a glance at me, I joined in, hollering like a drunken sports fan at the clueless anchor's expense. It was rebellion turned on its head. Strippers and rockers tearing up a hotel suite at 3 a.m. with Sharpie pens. I had no idea what this guy would do next. Joe jumped up. Want to see my moonwalk? Sure, I said. Wait, what? The Michael Jackson thing? Seriously? Rick chuckled and shook his head like he knew what was coming. I prepared myself for more eccentricity. What I got was the sorriest excuse for a moonwalk I had ever seen. I'd been fairly quiet, taking Joe in like a foreign film minus the subtitles. Was it a mystery? Art film? Slapstick? Who knew? But his jerky, self-conscious moonwalk was too much. His boyish face, contorted in concentration while raking shoe rubber across the carpet, had me doubled over in giggles. I pulled myself together for fear of embarrassing him. Instead, I'd spurred him on. Wait, wait, he cried. Watch this. He leapt onto the windowsill, a wide, smooth surface for a better glide, and one pane of glass away from a six-story plunge. 
careful writ caution before turning back to Vicky. At that point, it seemed clear the performance was for me. Joe's windowsill moonwalk was as bad as the carpeted version, yet I couldn't look away. Whether a brilliantly conceived anti-seduction or authentically clumsy charm, it hooked me. Like a veil lifting, a moment of clarity came as a voice in my head stating with complete authority that this man before me was the man I was meant to marry. And just like that, I was in love. I've met my soulmate, I thought. Wow. Very interesting. So where can we learn more about you? And where can we purchase Rock Monster, My Life with Eagles guitarist, Joe Walsh? Well, I have a website. My author website is kristencaseyauthor.com. And Kristen is spelled with an I-N, not E-N. And you can buy the book at all the usual places, bookstores, online and in person. And there are links on the homepage of my website that will lead you to all the major online retailers. Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your very personal story in Rock Monster, My Life with Eagles guitarist Joe Walsh. You've written a very honest, no-holds-barred account of the proverbial rocker chick who comes out on top, and I just know our listeners are eager to start reading, as am I. I wish you the very best for whatever your future holds, and thank you for taking time to talk with us today. When you release your next book, will you come back and chat with us again? I'd love to, Linda. Thanks so much. It's been fun. In the tradition of women in rock survival tales, think Marianne Faithful, Crystal Zavon, Joe Wood, and so forth, Kristen Casey pulls a veil on the enduring myth of the lifestyle's glamorous decadence. Rock Monster is a sexy, crazy, cautionary tale of two addicts in love without a single relationship skill. And I thank you for listening. Please visit theauthorshow.com to listen to other featured authors. These interviews are available to book buyers worldwide on demand every day, 24-7. And for those who like audiobooks, please check out our audiobook store at theaudiobookmarket.com. If you have written a book and would like to be a guest on the show, visit theauthorshow.com, complete the interview request form, and we will contact you shortly thereafter. The Author Show is a great way to market your book by getting in front of your target audience with a high-quality interview that will make a real impact. Please visit us again as we continue to bring you great books and interesting authors on The Authors Show. Thanks for listening to The Authors Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Authors Show.